This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. All right, well, welcome everybody. It's good to be back. We're going to be studying the uh, Acts of the Holy Spirit, in particular Acts chapter 10. Now, I know that you studied a little bit of it last week, um, so I'll just do a little bit of an overview. Um, we don't have any notes or handouts. So, who was here last week? All right, I'll draw on your experience to, uh, to let us know what was said, and, um, and, uh, and then we'll carry on from there. But before we do, uh, we'll do our time-honored tradition of allowing Neville to lead us in prayer. Okay. Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time set aside to study your word. Lord, thank you for your promise to be amongst us when we look to you for guidance. So, Father, honor us by your presence and guide our understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So let's read Acts chapter 10, which is one of those um, very significant chapters in the history of the church. I'll start. So at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. One day, at about three in the afternoon, had a vision. He distinctly saw the angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stabbed him in fear. What is it Lord? he asked? The angel answered, The prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and devout soldiers, who was one of the attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. And while they were preparing, a trance came upon him. He saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah was not there, so. <laughs> it's in the Western text. <laughs> this happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. Well, 17. 17. Okay. <clears throat> and <clears throat> now, while Peter was in worldly perplex as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made injury for Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, 
who was known as Peter, for staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, David said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the whom you seek. What is the cause for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by the Holy Spirit, by a holy angel, to send for you, to come to his house, and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day he arrived at Caesar, Cornelius was expecting him, called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter made him give up, get up, stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And the Gaza said to them, You yourself know what unlawful it is for the Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or uncommon. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying in this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shiny clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. And send therefore to Joppa and call for Simon, who is surnamed Peter. This man is lodging in the house of Simon a tenor by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but accepts men in every nation who fear him and do what is right. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God worked with him. And and were witness of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. To this one, all the prophets testified that through his name, everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit felt, fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. That is a big chapter. All right. So on, a, on an initial reading, <clears throat> is there anything there that um, is fresh, new, you haven't noticed before? Or is there something there you always notice every time you read this, this verse? This I've got chapter? one thing that I just didn't register before that he, Peter says, that he ate and drank with Jesus after he rose yeah. from the dead. Yep, that's an interesting, interesting line. I mean, we knew there was a case. I didn't realize that Peter just mentioned it as, in this context. Yeah, because it's not mentioned that they did it yeah. when, when Jesus was actually there with them. And so this is like a little bit of hindsight information that Luke throws in. He actually does this um, in, in these two chapters a fair bit, 10 and 11. So like um, Cornelius is going to say, I saw, uh, the text is going to say Cornelius saw an angel. He himself will say, I saw a man in shining clothes. <laughs> this kind of idea, you know. Um, or in, uh, it'll just say some of the brothers go with Peter. And then the next chapter, it says six. It gives you that extra information. You're like, well, why don't you just say six at the start? But they, yeah, anyway, it's how they guess to write scripture. Anything else? Lila, is there anything there that you saw or heard? I just, uh, I just see how God appreciates people who are generous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that was the topic uh, last week, I believe. Yes. Yes, which is an excellent topic. So in summary, um, Cornelius is the, uh, a Gentile commanding officer of a special unit called the Italian cohort. Uh, apparently in history there were 32 of these special units, which are actually made up of 100% Italians. Yep. And uh, so the Roman army was largely actually made up of non-Italians. So the way that they ruled their empire was um, they would draft uh, local nations into their armies, send them around to other areas. Uh, they would serve their time, and at the end of their time, they would become full citizens and be given property. So it was actually a pretty good deal um, to serve in the Roman army. However, they would take uh, Italians and, and, and station them in the most strategic of places, and one of them was here in Israel. Okay, so they would have uh, uh, an Italian regiment guarding um, uh, Caesarea and, uh, and Jerusalem. Okay, because they considered it a strategic buffer zone between us uh, and the Parthian Empire, which was the next one along. All right. So here's this guy. He's a commanding officer. He's a Gentile. He's got uh, lots of power. And what has he become? He's become a monotheist. He's not only him. 
but his entire family. And some of his soldiers. I mean, this guy is really having an effect on his boys here. <laughs> and his friends, yes. Um, which is interesting because even if you are even if you're a, if you're if you're a good patriotic Jew, I know it says that this is respected by all the people. You're still going to hate this guy. Why? He's his occupation. He's occupying you, yes. right? And uh, so here you have a guy who has become a believer. And what is his occupation? Occupation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The God-fearing is interesting because a man like this would have been required to sacrifice to Caesar once a year and, and, uh, and swear both allegiance. Yes. Now, how would he have uh, reconciled that, especially after the events of this chapter? He almost certainly encountered severe issues because yep. of the faith. Yep. Yeah, it's, that's, that's very possible that he, he might have had some some of those sort of problems. And how he gets around it, who knows? Maybe he bribes people. <laughs> yeah. um, but don't know. But, um, so I think if he's God-fearing, he probably wouldn't want to do bribing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting that when they, you ask the question, who is your neighbor? Because you've got Jewish people who are now becoming believers in Jesus, and then you've got Gentiles who are now becoming believers in Jesus, and some of them are actually occupiers. And so, how are you going to relate to them? Um, how should you relate to them? Um, what you find here is, you know, Jesus never teaches his disciples to rebel, and he never tells occupiers to leave. I mean, we get very concerned about who should and who shouldn't be occupying, uh, and yet, on another level, when you when talk about the kingdom of heaven, those things become, yeah, yeah. Those things just become something else to talk about. Perhaps he, not the most important. He goes important. out of his way to welcome Zacchaeus, or you know, to go and have tea with him. Yep. Yes. And um, he was the you know the, the traitor among their own people. Yeah. With respect to being the chief tax collector. Yeah. Yep. We also find that this guy is also very attentive to prayer. Right. And so he's in his house at the time for prayer. And, and when he said the, the time for prayer, um, which time does he mean? Mincha, yes. Most likely it's a, this is a mincha uh, hour, uh, which is the middle of the three daily sacrifices of the temple. And uh, so what had happened is in the first temple, you had three sacrifices a day, but then the temple gets destroyed. And so when the people get carted off into Babylon, what do you do? You can't offer your sacrifices anymore. So what's the logical conclusion? Pray. So they turn those three sacrifices, the Shachrit, Mincha, Ma'ariv, into three daily prayers. And then when you come back from Babylon and you rebuild the temple, you still have three daily prayers, even though you're nowhere near the temple. So he doesn't say there's any sacrifice going on here. This is just simple prayer. So, um, prayers, as you, have you noticed, in the Second Temple period, had already begun to replace sacrifice. There's a verse that clearly gives precedent to that, which is in um, Psalm 141, verse 2, where it's a Psalm of David, and he says, 
let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Yes. Yep. So you've already got it in the prayer life of the people. So it's not hard when you have, well, not hard, probably was actually quite a hard theological struggle, but they got there because Daniel was already doing it. Uh, that doesn't say sacrifices didn't have meaning. I'm not saying that. Just saying that um, at the time uh, of the Second Temple period, you've got a clear uh, a, a note that prayer was valuable. And and synagogues too at that time. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-three. I saw a very lovely picture about the Jewish people since they were trained in desert for two years. They are all going together as a body, okay? So here we see even uh, they, he kept those people come to him and receive them to stay with them for a couple of days. It's a kind of reception in the time of the Second Temple, very hospitable. Uh, very hospitable to yeah. receive them. If you don't, someone doesn't receive you, just tap your feet yeah. and go away, that's what Jesus said. Yeah. What's the big What's the big deal of, of this hospitality yeah. that's going on? What's it, the it uh, shows that the community are very powerful in one court. Okay. And a propagation for Christ is the body of Christ in this picture. Sure. Very beautiful. And he said that some of the brothers from Joppa accompany him to go alone. He doesn't go by himself. He has a body of Christ. His brothers yeah. go with him to Caesarea. Is a way of testimony of the Jesus disciples. You know, I see as such a lovely things. Yeah. They work together as a team. Yeah. Always. Yeah. The, this, the, the, the hospitality that's mentioned in this chapter is, a, is a, one of those a standout features because um, uh, what's going on in the Second Temple period between Jews and Gentiles? Separation. 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 Yeah. You just couldn't go and eat with somebody else. You know, sitting at their table, you couldn't eat their food. Um, and, and presumably, uh, the, when, if Jews had to visit Gentiles, they would then be considered richly impure and have to go through the other uh, mikvah. mikvah yeah. uh, it's nice when, it, when we read in the Gospels that uh, Jesus is asked to visit a centurion and heal him, and he's on his way. So he, Jesus is prepared to go to the centurion's house yeah. and become richly impure. But the centurion actually understands it and says, this other, no, you don't have to come, you just have to say, say the word. It, yeah. You don't have to impure yourself with me. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus is amazed by the guy because yeah. he understands authority. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, what, what is interesting for me, I guess what you guys discussed last week, was when the angel comes and speaks, the angel says, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been remembered in heaven. You know, it's like which is interesting, it's those two things. Um, and you, you discussed that a fair bit last week, right? Yes. So what were some of your conclusions for those of us that weren't, weren't there? Do you remember? There's no conclusion as to... Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is black and white. No. If you do this, you don't automatically get that. Right. <laughs> but it does show us that good deeds have weight. Yes. They build up treasures in heaven. They build up treasures. Yes. And it, what, what also is interesting for me is that God sees. Who else sees? Angels. I mean, they also notice what we're doing. Right? Not just 
But this angel says, we have been watching, right? we've, we've heard your prayers and seen your good deeds. And they've come to us. People also, openly being a light to the nation, light to the people. Yeah. Deeds, it's a little light. Yeah. What language do you think this angel is talking to Cornelius in? He is most likely probably not. <laughs> Stop that, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Caesarea, so the most heavily Greek influenced. Uh, it's the Yeah. Luke would have to speak yeah. Greek in Caesarea to to get on. Yes, and he's Italian, which means he also speaks Latin. Latin. Okay. So, um, if Latin is actually his mother tongue, I mean, the language, the. The, the angel most likely probably communicated to him in the language he understood. Which is interesting thing about angels then, isn't it? What languages can they speak? Any. Yeah. They speak every language. It is interesting to uh, ponder which language Cornelius and Peter conversed in. Yes, because it doesn't did give you any hint that they did this. Thank you, I'd vote for, for Greek. Yeah, going for Greek? Yeah. I think Peter knows Greek. I think, he, I think they, in, they not uh, like said that they don't. Uh, well, Galilee said that they was not uh, knowledge people. That they, that I, I don't forget how saying in English. That they not study. No. Okay. No. They, I agree. They're not, not educated. But Galilee is on the trade route. You know, the people passing through Galilee. They are much more connected to commerce in a routine sort of way than maybe uh, in the hills of Judea. So I think that a fisherman would, would be able to get by. You know, he'd be able to buy and sell and speak enough Greek to... Probably too. the buy and sell in Tiberias, the new, newly built Greek city. Mm. Mm. Well, the copies we have now, but they're like 400 years afterwards. We don't... Yeah. But only if I can speak Chinese. <laughs> I don't think I'd, I, I, I would. I would struggle if Peter suddenly, you know, knew some Latin and said, "Brother, you know, you know uh, are they whatever? Are they Maria?" <laughs> so. Translator, yes. You know, one yeah. of the brothers, the brothers could have been yeah. Yeah, a translator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's have a look at the text and uh, and see and see how we go. All right. So the place is Caesarea, which is the um, the the power base of the of the Roman uh, procurate or proconsul, whatever they call themselves here. Um, and there's Cornelius, the centurion, in charge of of uh, or part of the Italian uh, cohort. He and his family are devout and they're God-fearers, um, probably attending the local synagogue um, in Greek, and he gives generously to those in need and he prays regularly. Now, one day at about three in the afternoon, he has a vision. So a vision would imply what? That he wasn't asleep. The one, he's not asleep. Okay. He is... 
a vision would imply that it's not real, right? It's, but he will then later on say, I've, I really did see a man in shining clothes. But, but here he goes, instead of being just in the mind's eye, uh, the first part of the text, he, he sees a vision, um, whether he's having a dream or uh, a static experience while praying. But his later admission in, in verse 30 is, no, I was a man and he had shining clothes on. Uh, he distinctly sees an angel, even though it's a vision, who speaks to him, and uh, and then he responds. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What sort of fear do you think this would be? Angel. Yours says terror. Yours says terror. Yeah. yeah. Usually men terror when they see angels, but women not. Yeah. Well, if you if you're <coughs> Somebody standing in front of you that you didn't see walking the door, yeah. and they're in shiny clothes, yeah. you would be a bit alarmed if you didn't have that experience before. Yeah. Better know it was an angel. That's what he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just knew that he knew that he knew. <laughs> we, he, I guess, yeah. It is a good question. He just said, yeah, it's a man. Yeah. And, but he responds by, by uh, actually a, uh, um, a sentence of respect. What is it, Lord? As opposed to, call my guards. You know, um, this, I'm doing prayer time right now and you're going to get arrested. Um, the angel says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa. Okay, to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. Okay. So, the angel comes and announces that we've seen, seen your good deeds, your prayers have come to heaven, everything you're doing has not been in vain, and the angel can obviously communicate. What does the angel not say? First of all, what does the angel instruct him to do? To bring Peter. Bring Peter. Why does why does why does the why does Peter need to come to Cornelius? Okay, so Cornelius Cornelius can't go to to see Peter. The angel obviously can come to Cornelius. What would be the logical function opportunity for the angel now? Yes, but never in the Bible do any angels ever do that. Yes. Uh, any idea why not? They can obviously communicate. They obviously have a function, but for some reason, they are never the agent to tell you the good news. Yes. Yeah, now isn't that an interesting thought? Is that these super powerful beings, and yet the, the task of actually sharing the gospel is in the hands of, of the, the ones who have dominion over the planet? Right? Is that um, sometimes these angels, they, just, they don't interfere like we would perhaps like them to. 
Because surely it could have been easy to say, hey, Cornelius, you've been praying, with have good deeds. By the way, Jesus is the Messiah. It's fantastic. He just showed up here not too long ago. It's been great. <laughs> you really should believe in him. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. Since this is the first time that the gospel shall preach to the Gentiles, yeah. it's very important God's appointed time. And this is a heavenly vision. This is gospeling on earth for kingdom coming. Yeah. Cannot be a person to be a messenger, connect two people together. Well, but to be through the angel. Because well, the angel, the, the angel is going to connect two humans together. Right. But the, the actual message is going to be transferred from a human to a human. The, the gospel message is critical, but almost more perhaps as critical as the new relationships that's going to be formed here. Yep. This, this experience between these two human beings is going to break open human history, and I mean, for, for lack of a better drama, dramatic uh, statement. Isn't it like how the Lord always likes us to part, like share, like the honor of sharing the gospel as humans? It's like mm. that He wants us to have that honor. You know, yeah. that it doesn't have to. We can make the stones speak, but He wants us to do it. It's just to share with Him. I noticed also with uh, Philip in a couple of chapters before, the angel tells him to, when he's uh, sent to um, bring the gospel to the Ethiopian unit, the angel says, you know, see that church there, just go up and just walk alongside, see what happens. <laughs> he doesn't tell him what to say, he says, just, just walk alongside, and then it, as, it, as if he's saying, it's up to you. Yes. Then, then the gospel's got to come from within Philip. He's got to share it. Yes. He didn't get instructions about that. Right. Yes. It's it's got to come from us. We might have an angel right next to us, but they don't. They're not the ones doing the talking. They're, they do the connecting, which we would otherwise find difficult to do. Yeah. You know, Cornelius didn't know where Peter was, or that he was the uh, key man. Yeah. Yeah. This is why the Book of Acts is called Book of Holy Spirit. For what? the propagation of the message through the Holy Spirit. So you came here, this is the first time, the Holy Spirit activating the deeds of God's purpose among people. So he sent the angel to do the things. Right. We don't even get the na angel's name. Yeah. So, well, yeah just an angel, a messenger. Yeah. yeah. All right, so... Can I just say, talking about names... It's here that you notice that Simon always needs to be qualified. We have two Simons here, Simon the Tanner and Simon who's called Peter. And Simon was actually the commonest male name in this time. Yeah. Some, people, some clever people have done some study on this. Yeah. And so whenever you see a Simon in the New Testament, it is always clarified by you know, Simon of Cyrene. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because just, yeah. just say to Simon, no one says, well, what Simon are you talking about? Because there were so many of them. Yeah, it's like the name Mary. Yeah, and Mary is the, Mary is the commonest uh, it's, it's name. Female. There's an entire narrative that, that Luke, presumably, wrote, calls him Peter, but the, the angels uh, addressed him to Simon. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is interesting. Didn't notice that one before. Hmm. So, got to go to Joppa. So, someone says, drop it to you, what's the first thing that jumps into your brain? New market. 
Okay. <laughs> Se second thing. <laughs> Jonah. Okay. And what's the story of Jonah about? Running away from God. Sure. And coming back, I mean, being, being delivered back on track by a whale. Um, what was Jonah running away from? Because it was too far away. No. 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 Two. He, he was like running away. Yeah, we had, we had a fantastic study about was two years ago now or something. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, you know, Jonah gets the call to go to uh, and Nineveh, which is a large capital city full of Gentiles, right? And his his response is, no, not going to do it. Right? Now, remember, in, in, in Jewish tradition, beginnings and ends always occur in the same place. There's the same style, same, same, they're always doing that kind of stuff, uh, often doing a replay. So you had the call to go to the Gentiles, response, no. So if we're going to do another call to the Gentiles, out of all the places on the planet to start from, where do you go from? The place, the place where they said no. And because uh, now we're going to say yes, and uh, it's interesting how that it's the way it all seems to just. And this is up. Simon the son of Jonah. Yeah, Simon the son of. There you go. Isn't that interesting? You see how uh, the you, Peter could have been forced anywhere when they were split to go, but for some reason he is here, stuck right here. And uh, coincidence, as they say, is not a kosher word. This is another one of those little nugget, uh, little uh, white connectors where everything just seems to fit. So Joppa, the place where we had said no to Gentiles, now we're going to say yes. Well, we had to have a reason of the dead to get in there, right? We yeah. did, actually. Yes, that was the Tabitha. Yes. Who's also had, good, had done good deeds. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there was a raising of the dead to get Jonah back. Correct. On the beach. Uh, yes. In the right direction. Yes. No. No. The, the resurrection theme that's that's there as well. Yeah. He's also very very strong. James on the well for three days. It took Cornelius three days to get to this area. Oh man! Look, the connections are flying out thick and thin. This is good. I noticed though, whoever wrote that out, they said four days. Not by what's just three days. Uh, uh, it was. Cornelius himself says four days ago. I was sitting and praying. The actual text says it takes them three days. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Depends how you count. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, uh, Cornelius gets his uh, servants and, and a soldier, and they go off. All right. So now we switch down into Joppa, and we have Peter having his uh, angelic or vision experience. About noon the following day, uh, as they're on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So each of these characters is going to in, uh, get their vision experiences at a time of prayer. So Peter becomes hungry and uh, he wants uh, something to eat. Mm -hmm. um, so the, his body, unfortunately, is... Um, Probably rebelling in uh, your his spirit might be no let's pray uh, we're all okay but then he himself can't 
Uh, later on, we're going to learn that Cornelius was fasting when during his prayer time as well. Okay. Um, and while the meal's being prepared, then he falls into his, his trance. Heaven opens. So, how close is heaven? Not very far away. Okay. Your eyes can reach to see something. Something. Okay. And so heaven opens, and something like a large sheet's let down. Could have been a long way away. Could have been. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. And you get four corners. <coughs> some sort of sheet with four corners, and all kinds of animals, um, reptiles, birds of the air, and Peter's instructed uh, to to go and eat. Now, what does Peter? getting the vision for we all know gentiles are no longer to be considered unclean we're up to chapter 10 how long has peter had the holy spirit now a few years and what has the holy spirit not told him keeping the law no that's not it because he doesn't want to eat, he's still bound, bound in the law of Moses. He's not bound in it. He's just, he's just keeping so he's kosher. He's still in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just keeping kosher. Yeah, so. He hasn't been told so far. Hasn't been told. Gentiles. That, yeah. So isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit has been poured out on some people. For the first 10 chapters, all we're doing, it's not all, it's still a big task, is we're sharing the gospel with the Jews. Jewish people. Okay? They're all full of the Spirit, and yet no one has, uh, has come to the conclusion, wait a second, the prophet Joel said that the Spirit would pour out on all flesh. So just because you have the Holy Spirit, what does that actually, what does it, it doesn't mean you're infallible. Right? You make mistakes. That's actually a good piece of news, I think. Or oh, make, make assumptions. Yeah, that's probably better than saying mistakes, yeah. because yeah. I mean, just assuming things would work in a certain way and then just some surprises down the road to uh, yeah. waiting to happen. But it's interesting that they've got the Holy Spirit, they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they still need an angelic voice to come and tell them what to do. Right? It's not that they sort of were quickened and say, well, the Holy Spirit inside me started talking. There's a, an, an external angel that comes and talks. There's an external vision that begins. There's an external voice that speaks. Testimony to, to the power of the tradition that they all grew up in. Mm. Where we live, it's especially easy to understand the power of that tradition today. Yeah. And within, within, the, within Gentile churches as well, we have some very strong traditions that, that, that contain our interpretations and, uh, and our doctrines as to how things behave, how the Holy Spirit behaves, how, which books should be in our Bible, etc., etc., etc. Do you think until this time there is still exercising how to listen to the Spirit speaking? Sorry? I mean, they're still practicing how to follow the spirits speaking because they are not familiar with this. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, they've been doing I mean, it for a while. Christ in them right now, yeah. right? Yeah. into them. Yeah. So they still don't know beyond the tradition, Judaism, and themselves, the new men inside. Yeah. It seems they are comforting one another. So sometimes they I don't do think the it's right a... thing, sometimes they not properly. 
doing things. And it's a, pro it's a, it's a process of yeah. learning how to exercise. Well, there's a process, and Jesus implied that it would be a process as well. You would be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria to the end of the earth. So they are learning. Well, they're on the way. I mean, if, if you've just experienced this, the trauma and ecstasy and what they experience within a, a few days and weeks, I mean, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth is not the first thing that occurs to you in that kind of situation, I'm sure. And I, obviously, it, it, it took, a, took a while. Trying to see the light is right? Exercising. Yeah. So, so Peter says he's not going to go up and kill, and then he's instructed, don't call anything impure or common that God has made clean. This happens three times. Peter doesn't actually kill anything, right? Um, and the sheet is taken away. While he's wondering about what's going on, there is, uh, about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They call out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, is there. And while Peter was thinking about this, the, spirits, the Spirit now says, okay, right? Simon, three men are looking for you. What does the Spirit not tell him about the men? They're Gentiles. Right? He, he sort of leave that little piece of information out of the way for right now. But, but while you're pondering, I don't want to scare you right now, but there's three gentlemen outside, you know, um, three rabbis to come and see you. And so he goes up, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So he, yeah, he's not, they're not told that they're, that they're Gentiles. So he goes down and he introduces himself. Hello. Hi. Can we join? Yes. Okay. You're welcome. Uh, and Peter identifies himself. I am the one whom you're looking for. And so why have you come? So he's pondering a vision. The angel has told, or the spirit has told him that there are three men that are looking for him. But again, doesn't give you all the information. Just gives you a little bit. Right? Uh, and I think that's a, a, for a lot of us, we could probably all sh share experiences where God told us a little bit of the story ahead, but not everything. And perhaps it's a good learning curve for us just to be satisfied with the little bit. And it's okay not to know everything. And to let it actually, and to walk it out. Peter straight away crosses the Rubicon because he invited the men into the house. Yes, yes, that's, that's it, yes, that's the first bit. Yep. Well, having been told, I have sent them, but he yep. <laughs> And you will go with them, yeah. So. Yeah, so he's been pondering this, this vision. And the men, men identify themselves. So we have from Cornelius Centurion. He is an upright and God-fearer. So they identify he is a God-fearer, not Jewish. So they're all being very honest straight up. Who was respected by all the Jewish people. Um, a holy angel told him to have you come to his house, which would be, you know, Peter has probably never set foot in uh, Gentile houses, so that he could hear what you have to say. And then, yes, the Rubicon is crossed. Peter could have said, wonderful, I'll meet you tomorrow at 8. Uh, in is just down the road, a lovely hotel. Okay, uh, But no, he actually, he actually welcomes them in and, uh, and would then have done um, all the things that you do for a welcome guest. He probably fed them. Yeah, well, probably ate with them. Yeah. 
Someone Someone's cooking, anyway. Someone's cooking, is it? Yes, yeah. that's right, yeah. I think his re response is to invite, inviting them to come to the house because he saw the vision. Yeah. The vision yeah. he didn't understand why the unclean things yeah. appear to him and the voice says you can kill them and eat. Yeah, but he doesn't, right? He's but just he pondering but, this thing. But Father, he understood all people standing at the door that was exactly what God's speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next day, Peter does start out with these guys and some other brothers from Joppa come along. We don't know exactly who they are. Later on, we identify them as six, six people. So he ends up with quite a few uh, people making this uh, journey. The next day they arrive at Caesarea. We're not told any more information about them. We don't know their conversations. You know, Peter has now just spent you know, probably two days with a group of Gentiles. Probably learning a little bit who they are, a little bit learning about who Cornelius is. He's getting a little bit about background information. What's he like as a God-fearer? Um, I'm having a very interesting time here talking to these gentlemen. This is a, a, a big deal for him, uh, and probably also for these Jewish, uh, these uh, soldiers, because they're occupiers, or at least one of them is. Right. So now you've got who's also a brother. Uh, yep. Ask the question now. And verse 28, he, uh, Peter said, um, You are well aware that it, it is against our Lord for, for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Um, do you know if this is um, common today? Um, in some, yes. yes. Yeah. They are not allowed to um, visit any people or? In some streams of Judaism and there's different streams they'll even they won't even eat with each other <laughs> so, some some kosher is so so strict that they will consider other people's kosher to be bad and they won't even eat with other Jews mm -hmm. so it depends on um, so it's, it's, it's only a small stream but it is still there oh yes we had a no new rabbi orthodox rabbi and his daughter would not come to his house and eat. Yeah. Orthodox, Bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's about 13% population. Is it? Other religious yeah. So it just, it just depends. Like, I study with some Jewish guys, and uh, they're happy for Gentiles to come in, and, and, and they're not nervous. But there will be others in Meshurim who wouldn't have anything to do with this. So just, just depends. All right. So. This, this little journey is, 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 so you've got some Jewish people who are under occupation by Romans. Now there's an occupier who's now your brother. You can imagine the conversation that that would be having. Because right? um, he's probably decked out in his armor. He's a soldier. He's got to carry his weapon. And uh, uh, who knows a, what sort of conversation they're, they're having. So they go into the house. As Peter... What does Peter do? Um, the following day that Cornelius was expected, the man had called together his relatives and close friends. So what does Cornelius do? He does something incredibly positive. He gets a large group of people, right? Gets his family, gets his friends together, probably orders a few of his soldiers to show up, right? And uh, what does Peter do? Verse 25. What does, what does verse 25 read for you guys? Cornelius being, you know, the main man, 
Yeah. Actually worships Peter. Yes, but Peter enters the house. Yeah. Right? That is a, another one of those. First he's received Gentiles into his house. Okay, we can maybe handle that. At least our territory is safe. But now he, uh, he goes in uh, and, and enters into a Gentile home. Okay, this is, doesn't matter what he's done now, he's now definitely crossed. Crossing another line. Another line. Okay, we're going in and eating with Gentiles. Cornelius, who has done a very positive thing, gathering all these guys together, then does something a little bit negative. What does he do? Starts worshipping poor Peter. Okay. Now, why would he do such a thing? Tradition, some kind? I think just because the, uh, the angel has said this is the man. Yeah. Uh, this, so he's maybe understanding Peter as a, a messenger of God with some uh, status, you know, kind of superhuman capability, or certainly some special information. So if, if Cornelius is a God-fearer and he attends a synagogue, what should he have been learning? that you don't worship idols. Right? But what is interesting is that even though you can have angelic visitors, even though you can actually be, have, have uh, the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you immune to idolatry. Because we have idols too. And they're, they're not humans. Um, but uh, you know, we, 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 have, we, have, we have other forms of idolatry. We're not immune to this. This making these kind of mistakes, so he uh, he he does make a small error, um, but then Peter corrects him. No, I'm just a normal person. And then Peter does something else. Yeah. Peter lifted him up, so Peter touched him. Ooh, that's touched right. The Gentile lifted him up and said, "No, I'm, a, I'm just a man too." Yeah. This is also yes. He's yeah. I think the boy was very uh, powerful until him. Yeah. Because 14 and 15, uh, it says that, and the voice came to him again the second time. The things that God has cleansed do not yeah. make common. Yeah, he's now been thinking about this yeah, for several days. He's been pondering about this. He's been discussing now with a couple of Gentiles. He, he enters the house without any qualms, touches some Gentiles, and then, and then what does he see? He sees a room full of people, all eager to hear what he has to say. Right? This is a preacher's dream. Okay? Wouldn't it be great if we stood up on, on church on Sunday and the whole church says, we have all come here to hear what you have to say. An angel told us to come. Wow, man. Awesome. But that never happens. <laughs> But it did for him, so he's actually got a you know, fantastic opportunity. But it seems that uh, Peter has been so much transformed by the spirits yep. that he now has the knowledge about yep. how to obey mm. the yep. voice. And he did it. And he did it. Yeah. He tells, look, you all know the, the, the law that Jews shouldn't associate with Gentiles. Now, this is oral Torah, Torah Baal Page. Nothing in the actual text that says that. Um, there was you know, a demarcation line in the temple that Gentiles couldn't cross so that they were keeping that uh, Gentile and, uh, and, and Jewish people separated. Um, but God has shown me, literally, that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I sent, I came without any objection. Now, why have you sent? Cornelius responds, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, suddenly a man in shining clothes. So we, we, get, we get the, his vision was actually of a man. 
And the man had clothing. So what does it tell us about heaven? They're not naked. <laughs> they have a wardrobe, okay? Which is just an interesting thought. So, but but um, angels have clothes. And, yep, heaven has clothing. Whatever that means. Okay? And uh, here's, here's our shining. They have a form of, of light. And, uh, and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts. And... Uh, in Jewish terms, whenever you remember something, what does the memory always leads to? Action. Okay, so we've remembered your gifts, and the response was, we will send an angel to you and, uh, and, and, and put you in touch with, with, with Peter. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner, all these Simons that keep showing up by the sea. It's Joppa. It's, it's a, a memory of, um, or a remez of uh, Jonah and the Gentiles. Now it's Peter and the Gentiles. So uh, immediately we were sent and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen ah, at what the Lord has commanded you to say. Okay? So this is a perfect opportunity for someone to launch into a sermon. Could have said anything. He's got a captive audience. It's great. And so Peter has his little sermon. And uh, he says, I now realize because he's had, even though he's had the Holy Spirit, and he quoted from the book of Joel, and everyone spoke in tongues, and all kinds of wonderful things, they've suffered persecution, uh, he now comes to this realization that God doesn't show favoritism. All right. Um, but accepts men from every nation who do what? Yeah. Fears him who does what is right. Yeah. So who does God accept? God fearers. God and? People who do the right thing. People who do the right thing. Yeah. So again, there's that image that that deeds. They're not the things that get you into heaven, but they're not to be ignored either. Okay. So there's that healthy balance that needs to be there. Is uh, uh, you know is that ev from every nation the people who fear the Lord and act righteously uh, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel now he's talking to Cornelius who has spent some time in, in, in the synagogue and has probably heard all the stories and a lot of the Midrashim all about uh, you know, Moses and the prophets, the sacred history of the Jewish people, that God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. So how would Cornelius have heard anything about Jesus prior to this point? What does this actually give us a hint of? You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in the Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing, and all those who are under the power of the devil, because God was with him. So, Peter is actually saying, you've heard this, You've, you, you, the, 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 the message of Jesus, the, even if it was just a rumor, 
has actually already spread that there was this guy called Jesus and he did all these wonderful things and it's not just contained to the Galilee. Rumors have actually gone out. And so probably whenever the believers were spread out and they started to encounter people, they said, oh, we heard about that guy. Is it actually true? Oh yeah, I was with him in the boat when that happened. Right? That sort of, the newspapers have already been talking. So Peter says to Cornelius and this whole household, you guys have already heard this. You know the rumors are true. And I'm here to tell you that the rumors are true. Okay. I like the wording that Paul uses when he's um, one of his trials later on in the book. And he's talking to uh, King Agrippa. And he says, I know you know this because it wasn't done in a corner. Yeah, you know, he can refer to it. Yep. expect people to know. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's a bit later on in time. But yes, it's, uh, it's the same idea. Same idea, same idea. yep. So, and, uh, so God has anointed Jesus or made him the Messiah with the Holy Spirit and power, which is exactly what you're going to get in Acts chapter 1. Holy Spirit was going to come upon you and you're going to have power. And, uh, and he, did all, he did good and healed because God was with him. And then in 39... The big key, we're witnesses. We actually saw it. Witnesses was a big deal. Of everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in, Jerus in Jerusalem. And uh, they killed him by hanging him on a <coughs> tree. tree. So, who was he saying they? What does they refer to? Well, it's only the Romans. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't point to them yeah. and say, you know, which, by the way, your mob. <laughs> he has done that to to people in the temple. He, you know, he, he, he if he wanted to say it was them, he could have easily said it because he said it before. But um, he might be having a still a little antagonistic attack against the temple, um, and fair enough. What has the temple authorities done to him? Thrown him in jail a couple of times. Yeah. Threatened him with death. Scattered all his friends. Killed a few deacons that he used to know. Um, and uh, so he might just have the opportunity to just let stick one every now and again. Now, they killed Jesus. Um, and they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Uh, even though uh, some translations, do they say cross or does it all say tree? No, they says cross, they're terrible. Yeah. There's Stavros, which is cross. There's Xuno, it's a tree. Yeah, it's a tree. Yeah, so it's a tree. What is Paul doing at this time? Is he so? What's the timing with Paul? Paul's actually in Tarsus. So what's happened with Paul is he's had. so. He got, he left Gamaliel's service, got his own group of disciples, started out um, persecuting, has his vision experience, right, and then that's what really happened at this time. Yes, and and now then he's been sent, he's and, and he's been taken away to Tarsus. He gets, he gets um, called back in the next chapter, right, by Barnabas. he was in the first journey. Still in the first journey. No, no, he's not. No, he's, no, he's not. Yes, 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 he's not. Yes,
right? Um, uh, at the instruction of Jerusalem, which is which is interesting. Yeah, and Barnabas. Yep. Okay. Helps with that. Yep. All right. mentioned of you, uh, about the message before that you said that Cornelius and the friends and all people around they already knew about about Jesus and what happened. So, but the Peter came again with the living message. So this is the difference that people made here about gospel and Jesus many times, and they know the story. They yep. know it is very different to, to the message if someone comes anointed and says exactly the same thing and the heart is touched and open and open for God and, and, and His way. So, so I believe that this is what happened and, and it, is, it is happening across the, the years. That is, it's different to, to have a knowledge and have a message yep. from Lord. Yeah, absolutely. All they've heard before is just news. Right, yeah. Yeah, and it's the news of, a, of, a, of Jewish people. These are all Gentiles. And even though they're God-fearers and going to the synagogue, there's still uh, a definite boundary between Gentiles and, and Jews. And here's, here's the, 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 the... When Jewish people retreat from having anything to do with Jewish uh, Gentiles, that actually can create antagonism inside the... Yeah. The Gentile, so it can have the opposite effect. You know, it's like your food's unclean. Oh, really? Well, aren't you just a dirty person? You know, because um, the Romans actually thought that the Jews worshipped pigs. Why? They didn't eat them, right? What do Indians not eat? Cows. Cows, okay? Because it's suddenly sacred. So you can see where you do something, and it can actually give you the the, the opposite, the other people, uh, the wrong impression. Right? Um, and uh, so it's just a, a lack of understanding cr can create misunderstanding. How's that? Yes. Yes. So, um, so they, he was killed by hanging on a tree, but then now we get the gospel. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. So you've heard about this rumor, but it's now true. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So for whatever reason, the body that Jesus has can eat and drink. Why? Because it's his body. <coughs> Same one. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one, from, one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Uh, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him <coughs> receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Okay. Anything there in that sermon? I think 41 was very interesting that actually they are referring to the Last Supper. Jesus told them, the, 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 the Passover meal, told them to drink and to eat. But he, he just, that was before. That's before. That's so, this is, he applied this experience. Is it Jesus, they eat and drink with Jesus after he's resurrected. Isn't it to show no, that it's not to show that, No, Rule yes. 22 told us that was the Last Supper. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink of me, eat of my body is ate whole. Yes, yes, but that's not what they're talking about here. But here is ones who ate and drink with him. Yes, after the resurrection, Lila. Ling Ling. It's after the resurrection. So they're eating and drinking after the resurrection, not. You refer to the Last Supper, no? Not here. Jesus here. Because they, because he spends forty days with them. In Acts chapter one, verse three, remember. So he has his resurrection body, but he can still eat. He can still eat. So he's still eating with them. Yeah. He even cooks breakfast for them up in the Galilee. <laughs> yeah. So. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who does what believes and there's no and <laughs> where the baptism just got dropped all of a sudden isn't that interesting so everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness, forgiveness. Okay. there's no mention here you're doing a big speech just drops baptism of the of the uh, thing, even though Jesus has told them, go into all the world and do what? Baptize. But here, I believe. So, there you go. Interesting. All the prophets testify about it that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So while Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit falls upon them, everyone that hears. So the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. Right? They're amazed that the gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift, gift okay? has been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues. So what tongues are they speaking now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But they, 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 the, whoever, whatever dialect of Aramaic and or Hebrew, um, or whatever that they're speaking in Joppa, all of a sudden these Italians can turn around and talk to them in this language, and they're like, "Wow, that happened to happened to us when we were at uh, in Jerusalem." And so it's obviously the same spirit, okay. and um, and what haven't they done? They haven't been baptized, right? So whatever formula we thought we had picked up before, and Peter had made one in the temple in Acts 2, he said, repent, right? Uh, believe, be baptized, get gift of spirit. Now a nice little, little formula. And now it's, well, they're already getting the gift. They've got the Holy Spirit. So, oh, well, we better go baptize them then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even though he just said, if you believe, that's for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Right? And so, the... the is an outward sign, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's very important because Jesus told us to do it. I mean, um, and, but we, we, it's not a... For, it, I think the whole thing is it's not a formula. It's a, what you have to do. Because in... Um, in Samaria, they have to. How do the guys get the Holy Spirit? Laying on of hands. 
not, not, a, not a baptism and not a belief. So here we've got God-fearers okay, who, who get the Holy Spirit even before um, they're baptized. But they do already believe in God. That's why they're God-fearers. What they're now getting is Messiah and Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so these seven Jews start going, well, we all hear them talking in our native language. That's amazing. Um, can anyone forbid these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just like we have. So they order them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they stay for a few days. Anything there about being baptized in the name of Jesus? Any comments? If someone says that, like the text says, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. In fact, all through the book of Acts, up until this point, when someone's baptized, they're baptized in the name of? No. 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 Now, why did you say that? Why did that roll off the tongue? Correct. Yes. Yeah, it's at the end of Matthew where Jesus himself says, you will go into all the world and you will baptize in? It's the Holy Spirit. But when you actually get sure so was I and then when you get to Acts it's just the baptism in the name of Jesus now I'm going to ask why do you think that is because you have you have a direct command by Jesus do it this way and then when you get to Acts that's not what you do I mean I kind of suspect that the, that end bit of Matthew was written after this happened I'm not saying it was added by somebody else but it, it, the gospel was put together a bit later the Gospel of Matthew says It's all included in one package deal. It's not as if there's a, a, a formula of words that makes all the difference over the person going in the water. It's, why are they doing it? For the sake of whom are they doing it? For yeah. the sake of Jesus Christ. Who sends the Holy Spirit. Who's been sent by the Father. There's no... He's thinking as to the form of the words here. I agree with you, uh, Arie. In the name of is a is an oath of loyalty to, right? And uh, or I follow the teachings of, or I'm beholden to, or all those kinds of things. But what happens, uh, unfortunately, is you end up with some some pretty strong denominational doctrines on this issue. And uh, I actually encountered this in in uh, in in Canada on this trip. Yeah, and uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so what do you do with Matthew? And then they had a very interesting um, uh, way of getting around it. Okay, now the baptism in the name of Jesus. No, that, so in their community, they only baptize in the name of Jesus. Um, and you go, okay, sure. Like, I don't, I'm not worried. But even though in Matthew it says do it this way, okay, does it actually matter which way you do it? I'm going to argue, no. <laughs> well, the baptism is different from purification. So this is from Old Testament to New Testament. Well, this has nothing to do with purification. Colossians is... 3, it says, very interesting, it says that, and uh, he therefore that ministers to you the spirits, and what miracles among you, 
Does it by the works of law or by the hearing of the faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, means the right thing to do, to baptize into the New Testament, he called Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would testify the, the heathens through faith, the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So, though then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So here could this be that is a transition for the purification into baptism, which is the name of Jesus, not under the name of Moses, for purification. Once you get into the Didache, which is uh, after this, their baptismal formula is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most likely, because now they've also got the book, the Gospel of Matthew, which they didn't have at this time. So, but the 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 the, the key point that uh, Peter says when he's doing his big speech in front of everybody, he doesn't mention baptism at all. He says, "What what's the important bit? You need to believe, right?" And uh, sometimes we get so caught up on which doctrines we need to believe in. Um, perhaps, perhaps uh, it's a little bit, bit more simpler. Um, so they believe, and then, and then they're baptized in the name of, which is a is a loyalty to. It's a, it shows their significance, their allegiance to the Messiah. Um, the exact formula, in, I don't think it really actually says. Later on, they create one, and that's okay too. Well, James was saying that the, the devil also believes and trembles. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So belief isn't just a head knowledge, is it? Yes, indeed. And that also leads you back to all those good deeds that keep getting mentioned. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, this word that we call believe means predominantly be faithful. So it's an initial step, but it's a permanent process. Yes. And, and if there's no permanent process, the initial step is doubtful as well. Yeah. So therefore it's helpful to do, remind yourself that we are saved through faithfulness. Yes. And, and in Galatians 2.20, modern scholarship tends now to translate as this life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a larger, different thought. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, here this, he gets this little, this little speech with his captive audience. He mentions that they have to believe. They already believe in God. Now they accept that uh, all these things we've heard about Jesus are now true. Uh, they're given the Holy Spirit. They engage in uh, communication in other people's languages. Uh, they then actually have a water baptism as well. Um, and then these seven Jewish guys hang out with these 
hundred Gentiles or however many that they are for several days. And we have no information as to what they would have said. But we can probably assume that, that Peter began to share everything that he had spent with time with the Messiah. Basically, uh, yeah, giving them the gospel. It was like this for me. This is when I put my foot in it. This is when he cooked me breakfast. This is when I jumped off and swam in the sea while everybody else rode in. Um, oh. I'm sure that could have been several days worth of... Of stuff, yeah. 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 And people probably would have been, you know, spellbound, and all those Roman soldiers are late for work, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, it would have been, yeah. We're not, we're not told what time, whether there was a, uh, a religious holiday or anything around that time, or how we got the time off work. But it, yeah. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone know what happened to Cornelius afterwards? Father from 300 years later who was absolutely sure that he was. Yeah, that, that probably was. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually the Greek Orthodox actually preserve all that stuff. So, well, yeah. they, I, they, make, they make it up. Yeah, and so he, you know, he probably became like the bishop of some you know, Gaul or something like that. But I'll, I might just go and have a look and see, let, let you know what, what ended up happening to uh, Cornelius and, and, his, and his household. Any other questions on the, on the text? I think the key observation here is that, that the Lord needs to do something mm. unusual just to bring Peter and all these other guys along to really understand that the gospel is open to the Gentiles, not just kind of in for the God-fearers or the people who are, you know, are already sold into visiting synagogues, but actually it's but the Lord takes the lead and actually Peter needs that when he's describing what goes on to the um, council in Jerusalem in Acts 15 when he's you know, called to justify what he's been doing he needs to demonstrate that actually I was just following it was the Lord who was leading and I was just basically doing the obvious stuff yeah. you, know, you do what you're told when an angel is telling you stuff an angel is sent by the Lord, and then you turn up and you just describe what you've experienced and share the things that you know, and then God turns up again and baptizes him in the Holy Spirit. And then, so it needed to be this way around, just to bring people along. Yeah, because he's gonna he's gonna have to explain his actions in the next chapter. Very Yeah, and you could tell they could they've been working on this story all the way. From from, from John, yeah, yeah, you ready for this they one? Got yeah. It <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that tension's never going to go away for, for quite some time. So from 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 eleven to fifteen, they're going to keep having this this struggle. This goes to the heart of the person This is a, this is part of Israel blessing the nations. In, Pretty much everybody around the table is being blessed. Owes, owes our life to that angel and Peter and Cornelius. Not a long but Yeah. As the yeah. In the next chapter, 
you'll get some unnamed heroes. It won't, it won't say their names, and, and, but it'll say that they also began to share the, the gospel with Gentiles, which is the reason why Paul gets taken to Antioch. So a church is going to establish with Jews and Gentiles in it, and Paul's going to become the shepherd, but he will not initiate the, the mission to the Gentiles. It's already been initiated. So the, the standard view that you find all over the world somehow in scholarship and in Jewish tradition here at Hebrew University is you know, that Paul started the mission to the Gentiles when actually the text says it's already well underway before he showed up. Synagogue first. Yeah. 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 So that time the Jewish believer and the Gentile believers was under yeah. the same umbrella. Yeah, but we won't we won't hear the names of those heroes who did it. Okay guys, Acts eleven next week. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the Donate Now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the City of the King.